On this edition of the National Talkie League podcast, we're going to find out what Dave Ware likes to do with wasps that get in his hot tub. I'm going to clear my throat about racists, and we're going to talk about racists in this country as long as they keep making viral videos. And brand new stuff from Johannes. If you're a fan of strong opinions loosely held and widely spread, then you're in the right place. This is the National Talkie League. National Talkie League. Oh my God, friends and neighbors. Uh, this podcast is filled. This, this is filled like um, a Costco shopping cart a Morm- driven by a Mormon. There. Is that a reference that people are going to pick up on? Did I offend somebody with that one? This podcast is a licorice all sorts jammed full of topics. <laughs> So no one likes it? Some of the topics everyone loves and some of them no one will ever want to listen to. This pot stay in the bag and go hard. I feel like if you do the licorice all sorts comparison, you're you're essentially saying this podcast is enjoyed by elderly people only. <laughs> the licorice all sorts is pretty much just different ways of giving you black licorice. <laughs> <laughs> disguising black licorice. Yes. It's, it's like those dog treats that you put the pill inside. <laughs> what who, who do you have? Do you those? ever eat the, the all sorts, Roger? No, of course not. What do you do? You eat the no, all sorts? You, okay, so if you had a bag of all sorts, would you eat any of them? Um. Okay, I'm going to break the rule here. No, of course I wouldn't do it. I hate people, by the way, who are like, "Oh, I would never buy. I would never buy a bag of all sorts." <laughs> <laughs> the, the, what I was trying to get at is, I think there's one item in the licorice all sorts bag that most people will eat and the rest they will just stay away from yeah fair you know enough. what i'm talking about yeah i do know what you're talking it's kind of like the mixed nuts right like in every if, if you gave a jar of mixed nuts to an individual and gave them time to eat through the whole thing you would return to their house and it'd be nothing but brazil nuts or nothing but <laughs> walnuts or nothing but almonds right there's always one that they won't eat so it's kind of like the reverse with the all sorts i'll take out all of the ones that are um, that they look like they are a piece of black licorice coated on, with the contents of a contact C capsule. Oh, you like those ones? Yeah, that's where I'm at. Fascinating. I thought for sure you were going to say these uh, these crazy sandwichy guys. Ah, Dave the is, colorful sandwichy guys. That's that's my that's my jam. Dave is holding up a bag of licorice all sorts to our Google Hangout camera, which leads me to believe that he is in fact 93 years old. <laughs> I had to buy something I wouldn't devour entirely. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. I I feel like when you bought that though, like the the cashier looked at it and like examined it. I didn't even I've never seen this before. <laughs> Do you need some hard candy to go with that, sir? Yeah, that's it. That's like the uh Werther's original and licorice all sorts are are like fighting for generation Z respect. Like, how can we transcend? We're, they're going directly from greatest generation to generation Z. Do you need some of the Christmas satin ribbon mix to go with that, sir? <laughs> Fantastic. I was—I just briefly dropped in, though. I hate that person who, when you do the either or game, like, what would you rather eat a bowl full of phlegm or a bowl full of scabs? And then they always respond. Oh, uh, I, neither. I wouldn't do any of them. <laughs> it's really only one rule in this game. Oh, anyway. Absolutely. So the point so, is this this podcast is jam packed full of stuff. That's the point. 
It is. It absolutely is jam-packed full of stuff, including, and I know our longtime talkies are going to be super excited when they hear this, but the dulcet tones of Johannes speaking new words. Uh, true. Now, Johannes is our German voiceover talent who uh, is, kindly provides the uh, you know all the important words in this podcast. Um, and we think Johannes listens to this podcast. Have we deduced that from our statistics? Yeah, we could uh, briefly talk about our statistics. So, uh, so when I look through our download uh, history, uh, there's been 134 downloads in Germany. So we can't say for sure that it, one of them or many of them are Johannes, but I'd like to think so. Maybe Johannes has a large German Mormon family. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's with the Mormon thing today? <laughs> just played twice. I mean, I got nothing against Mormons. There's too many of them uh, for me to have anything against. No, I just a kid. Um, but I'm just, you know, maybe uh, he's probably not Mormon. All right, Roger. <laughs> yes. Top countries that listen to our podcast. Give me, uh, we, we just found out Germany was number four. Can you give me the top three in order? In order? Uh, well, number I, one is Canada. Absolutely. Overwhelmingly. Right. Of course. In the same way that we have, uh, by far the most coastline of any nation in the world by, a you know, by three times, I think over the second place. All right. That's how much of a advantage Canada has in this game. Number two, United States of America. Incorrect. Japan. It's still Japan. <laughs> is it still Japan? Wow. 595 downloads from Japan. We gotta figure out what's going. We gotta go tour over there. We might be like uh, Sugar Man, you know what I mean? Where you find out you're a monster hit in South Africa. We might be actually bigger than we think in Japan. I implore our Japanese listeners once again to reach out to us and tell us who you are and what you'd like about the podcast. We love that you're listening to us. We hope that it's not just a bunch of hackers. <laughs> number America, three, America's got to be number three. It is America, right? All right, and. We did this before. We talked about the states, and we were surprised at some of the states earlier. So what is the number one state that listens to our podcast? It's got to be California. I think it's – is it? Because we had a guest yes. from California early on, so I'm just playing the odds. We did, and and I mean I have a few friends in California, and it doesn't take much to make that the number <laughs> yeah, one. Sure. Uh, number two is interesting. It's a new one that's in our, our top numbers. And if I can give you a hint, it's also interview related. It's also interview related. Okay. Uh, is it, how many listens is it by the way? Like well, how many, how many listens did it take to earn number two on this scoreboard? Do you want me to share that number? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Cause it's, I think it's, it's really small. It's kind of embarrassingly low. Is it I'll three? Is it four? Is it three? It's, it's 40. Oh, well, that's 10 times. That's a full like <laughs> multiplier of what I thought. That's a factor. Uh, I think it's New York state. It is not New York. New York state does not appear in our top 10 even. Okay. Well, I, I think it relates to the interview with Trey K, the overtime interview with Trey K. That's correct. Okay. And that so, was a really fascinating interview that people should go back and listen to, uh, go to nationaltalkyleague.com or, or just scroll up through your podcast listing to find the interview we did with Trey K. Cause it was super fascinating. Mm -hmm. And where is Trey from? Uh, West Virginia. Yes, but it's not West Virginia. It's Virginia. Okay. Interestingly. So I'm assuming it's still Trey's people, Trey's kin, Trey's folk. His kin. <laughs> uh, and they came in second. And third, I have no explanation for at all. Uh, it is also a state. It's got nothing to do with any of our interviews, you don't think. Uh, you were there not too recent, uh, not too is, long ago. Is it Washington State? 
Uh, Washington is number four, in fact. Oh, Arizona? Uh, No. Number three. Go ahead. Uh, Oregon. Ah, Oregon. Nice. There's a nice trail there where you can get dysentery and die for no reason. We had six people from Montana listening. I don't know if that was a result of our KOA episode. <laughs> yes, it SEO'd properly. People are trying to get a review. No, it's it, the reason why people in Montana are listening is they're trying to figure out the best way to 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 break down the the mysteries of the world to your son over the steak station at the Golden Corral restaurant. <laughs> Still one of the most beautiful, heartwarming stories ever told on this podcast, Dave. I tweeted today. I said uh, that we were recording and uh, people should ask us questions or leave us a comment and we'll discuss them. And then I used four hashtags uh, thinking, oh, we should get some – see if we can get some Twitter action out of this. So you're, you're familiar with Twitter. You use the hashtags and then people, if they're looking up those hashtags, they're going to see it. The first one was YYC, which is uh, Calgary, of course. The second was AB Poly, which is the Alberta politics. Yes. Because we seem to be popular with politics peoples in the iTunes. Uh, the third was Bolivian rainbow pepper. <laughs> the fourth was KOA. <laughs> All right. That's a little rundown of our of our statistics to keep you uh, apprised of where we're at. We're trying to blow this podcast up so that we can eventually make enough money to share 12 cans of Coors Light. Nice. I would love that. That would be great. So I, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a statistics junkie, so I'm constantly checking – seeing what our statistics look like. We have a lot of people who listen the day that the podcast comes out. As soon as it comes out, boom, big number right away. And then during the week, it sort of gradually tails off. So there's a lot of people who don't get to it till that night or until the next day. Usually by like Saturday, Sunday, there's almost no new listens at that point. They're just waiting for the next one. Maybe I don't know. Right. Um, This gives us a cool opportunity though, to talk about something that happened. So, um, Dave and I have talked about this podcast and, and it's like, this is a, a passion project, right? We do this because we love it. Um, I really, it scratches an itch that I obviously had for 18 years working in radio and I've kind of moved on from that, but I uh, still really enjoy this craft um, minus the business of radio. So this is like all the best parts of it. Uh, I have no idea why the hell you do this, buddy. This is, we're up late on Monday nights. <laughs> But, but uh, we do want to get it to this point where it's like it's a real show that we – well, it is a real show now. But we want to get it in front of you. We want to do this for you for a live studio audience and that's an exciting prospect to us and it's like baby steps and we'll get there. And you know, if you've got some input on that, like basically would you buy a ticket because we'd have to pay for the venue, then by all means, let us know. But it kind of comes down to the central question is like would we ever make money at this podcast? And – you don't start a podcast with the idea that you're going to make a lot of money. Like this craft is just not there yet. Now, having said that, we've made $5 because a man named Charles emailed us $5 and he said, I want this $5 to be spent on, on uh, getting Johannes to say something for the podcast. <laughs> so we blew all the money we had right away. <laughs> oh, totally. We spent it all. And Charles, this is what $5 bought you. Charles C. is a fantastic man. I mean, seriously, he's an incredibly fantastic man. So, <laughs> so Charles, if you're listening, you've got our email address. Send us a note and uh, we'll send you that and you can use it as your outgoing voicemail <laughs> message or something like that. Awesome. Yes, send you the actual audio file. <laughs> He's a fantastic man. He's a fantastic it's almost, man. It's almost a Dutch influence there, Johannes' voice that time. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, man, oh man, let's let's get right into it, dude. Because there's so much to get to, and I'm obviously gotta. I've, I've got to like warm up a little bit before I clear my throat on this racist woman. But there is just so much stuff to get to on the podcast. Absolutely. So we were talking just briefly a second ago about the idea of doing something live. So my thought too was uh, maybe people should let us know, uh, like maybe we'll put a post up or something and say, you know, like if we did this at a pub, would you come and hang out at the pub? You could listen to us record. You could even probably be part of the podcast at that point because you'd be listening to us. So if there's only like three of you, it'll just be an overtime session. <laughs> it would just interview everybody who's there. But my thought was if things were going well, you know, it would be cool. And I can't promise this because I haven't talked to anybody, but we could like, uh, we could do this at Loose Moose one night in the late night slot. Yep. Uh, they serve village beer there so you could have beer and maybe if we talk to our buddy rob we could uh, sort of hook it into one of the uh, cinema of regret episodes so we could do a little podcasting and then then people could hang around and watch a crappy movie with us and watch <laughs> we hack on it. that might be a fun thing to try that'd be fun i would also uh, if we were going to do that i would certainly um ask trevor toom uh, who has been on this uh, program in the past. I think yeah, Trevor was actually our first interview guest and uh, ask him to whiteboard some economic concepts that would make the world a better place if we all understood them. Oh, that would be brilliant. Yeah, you know what? We need to do like a variety show or like, okay, Trevor's going to do some economics for us. Yeah. Uh, Crack Max was actually our first way. interview, by the way. Oh, Crack Max was our first interview. My apologies to Mr. and Mrs. Crack Max for joining us. Um, are you ready to dive in, pal? I got my swimming trunks on. I'm ready. Yes, let's do this. National Talkie League, the only podcast that matters. Okay. First of all, I just want to say this. Uh, I've, I'm coming off an awesome night. I'm really high right now because um, the Accelerator YYC is a, a startup incubator in the city. And they asked me to MC their, um, their demo day. So it's a pitch session, right? So just to back it up half a second, I've got my job right now. I work for my own company. It's called Off Course Golf. We make apps for golf courses. And about uh, two months, two or three months after I got laid off from my gig at QR, and I get laid off, I got fired. I got fired from my gig at, at QR. Um, I just went, you know, the, I, I'd got been headlong into the golf business for a little while. And, and then along came this opportunity to incubate my company, which I founded with my partner, Josh Fafford, at this accelerator called the Accelerator YYC. You know, Dave, when you get through a story that you realize no one could possibly care about, you're supposed to, what are you supposed to do? You tell them, and then I found 20 bucks. All right, I found 20 bucks. Um, no, so anyway, it was a great experience. And the point of it is, is that there's this really cool culture in the city, startup culture, where all the doom and gloom headlines about oil and gas and all that stuff, these people don't give a shit. They, they have ideas that they're going to make happen come hell or high water. They're going to create a market. They're going to find a spot to fit in and they're going to make a go of it. They're going to create jobs here in, in the city and in the province. And it's amazing to be around these people. So I had the privilege of hosting demo day tonight, um, at the, at Studio Bell, uh, at the after party at Madison's 1212 in Inglewood, which is an awesome new spot. And, um, I just want to say thanks to those people for having me out, for letting me be part of it. And, and I really hope that this is like a lifelong relationship for me. It's, it's, uh, it's an infection. It's a festering infection, this uh, whole startup scene. And I love it. Awesome. It's great. It's good to hear that you're jazzed about that. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I killed a wasp this week. That's, that's, uh, that's your retort to my, 
That is well, also excellent, Dave. <laughs> you're telling me about something exciting you did this week, and so I thought I would tell you about something exciting I did this week. <laughs> okay. I want to hear the wasp story. I know you were at uh, uh, Circle of the Wagons, formerly Circle of the Wagons, so I definitely want you to talk about that too. But go on about this wasp. I'm, I'm interested. So um, so on Saturday, I was uh, was doing the, the normal the hot tub maintenance. Uh, so bought a hot tub, and if you have a hot tub, and I know you have one, Roger, so yes. I'm talking to the talkies in general. Uh, you may or may not know, but generally once a week, you need to kind of make sure that the water is all good and clean. So, you you know, you test the water levels and you add some extra stuff and you do the once a week, you know, super shock to the water to make sure it's all good and clean. So in my course of doing this, I, I come out and, and the tub's open and I look down at the tub and there's a wasp and he's, you know, struggling on the surface of the water. He's gotten caught in the viscosity of the water and can't escape and so i immediately grabbed for my skimmer because i have a little tiny skimmer that my wife bought me to take junk out of the hot tub because sometimes you get little stuff in there right right and i took the skimmer and i very carefully and gently placed it on top of the wasp but pushed it as far down to the hot tub as i could and because because fuck wasps right um (laughs) so it was a beautiful story so, so the first thing that happens because I'm pushing it down, the the skimmer is no longer uh, perpendicular to the water, right? Yeah. It's now kind of at an angle because I'm pushing it down. So I notice the wasp starts climbing up the side of the skimmer. He's making his way back up to the surface, and I'm thinking, like, man, this guy's really fighting for it, right? Like he's really making an effort to stay alive, and you know, maybe I should respect that. But then I thought. You know, I, I just have to re-angle this thing and then he stays down. So. <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you this. It took longer than I thought. Like wasps can hold their breath for a long time. Really? Did you, did you bring him up for air too? Like did you ask him like, <laughs> where's the money? Where's the money? And like push him back under there? You see what it's like? Get a good taste of life. <laughs> uh, so then I posted this on Facebook. And uh, there's a stunning amount of people that uh, that chimed in. Uh, I had uh, 36 of the thumbs up. Right. I had 16 laughy faces, I think because of the way that I phrased it. I had one love heart and one person who was sad. Yeah, that Someone person. Was sad about that wasp. That person needs to reorient their values. Um, <laughs> so like the thing, I read this story one time about this, this father who's, who caught his son killing ants. And uh, he's just, uh, the kid was just there like, you know, killing ants in a line, right? And then the dad was a bit disturbed by it and sat down beside him and said, what are you doing? And the son said, oh, I'm killing these ants. And then the dad said, well, hang on a second. And pointed at one of the dead ones and said, what do you think that one's name was? And where do you think he was going? Was he going home to see his family? Or do you think he was going out maybe to buy presents for his for his kids for their birthday you know and then put it in perspective for this kid and the kid started to cry and the dad hugged his son and said you know we should treat all life like it's special right because we don't he doesn't want the kid to grow up and be like you know he starts with ants and then who knows where it develops to but fuck wasps, right? Like nobody would ever like, you saw your kid killing wasps. You'd be like, here, let me get an aerosol can and a Damn. big lighter. Just be careful, son. Cause sometimes those little bastards pretend oh, to be yeah. dead. 
Exactly, man. They're, they're cagey. What is uh, what is P- wasps have shitty PR though? Like no one's ever told you the good thing they do. At least bees are doing something. Wasps yeah. are not doing something. It's the mosquitoes, right? They kill mosquitoes. I, I don't think they do that. I know dragonflies eat them, and that makes me love dragonflies more. Eat mosquitoes or wasps? Wasps. All right. So hang on. Yeah, they're like I want to like suck their brains right out through their thorax. It's kind of awesome. Oh wow. I want to. Yeah. I want to meet. Okay, we got to get a uh, entomologist. Entom. Ento, help me. Entomologist. <laughs> entomologist on the show. We got to get an entomologist to tell us the value of wasps. Now I've got yeah, you screwed up. I, like you got to double check to make sure it's not. No, etymology is words. Entomology is bugs. You need an entomologist on this. Entomologist, show. correct. Yeah. And tell us the value of wasps because I don't believe there is any use for them anymore. Even they, they'll be like, yeah, but they're jerks. So, <laughs> so it's the thing, right? The bee tries really hard and it's, it's hard to explain this to my kids, but it's like they see a bee and they're like, oh my God, we got to run. And I'm like, nope, leave the bee alone. The bee does not care about you. The bee will leave you alone. The bee will only try to sting you if it feels it's in danger from you or it can't get away from you. The wasps, wasps are just assholes. They'll sting you because, and they'll walk away. Yeah. So you should be afraid of them. You should run from them and let dad take, take them out with a towel. Um, I remember I was working at a summer camp once and uh, our friend, uh, our friend Dave may remember this. Uh, Dave was the one who was talking to you about the, uh, had commented on your, uh, your comment the other week there. It sent us a message. Okay. Yeah. He's in, uh, he's in Korea. He listens to us from Korea. The, the comment was in the last podcast episode. I said that I'm um, moving to the States. I got nothing to worry about. I'm white. It wasn't quite like that, but right. yeah, don't quote right. me there. So yeah, so that's Dave. And uh, so uh, I was working at summer camp one year and there was a wasp as there are because it's a summer camp. And we had uh, somebody killed it with a, a towel or something like that and dropped it on the table. Right. And so it's middle of dinner. So I grabbed a napkin. And I picked up the wasp. This is hard because it's a bit of a visual story, but I picked up the wasp. And so I've grabbed it with my four fingers together and my thumb on the other side inside the napkin. Yeah. And as I'm walking outside to put this thing outside, it fucking stung me right in the thumb. Yeah. Like right in the middle of my thumb. Man. Bitches. There's just no. I don't want to have an entomologist on the show anymore. I would rather just live. I would rather just propagate this whole wasps are good for nothing business. Let's get a dragonfly expert on it and tell us about how they destroy wasps. I want to know who named the dragonfly because like, here's what I'm getting at. As soon as somebody came along and called that the dragonfly, I think that that guy should have been the only person allowed to name insects after that. Right? See? Absolutely. Because they all have really crappy names. Like even bees, like bees as important as bees are, have really stupid names. Well, and and yeah, you're right. The bumblebee. Well, the bumblebee's kind of a nice name. It does sort of fit that animal, don't you think? No, is it bumbling? Insect. Is and is bumblebee like is is there what's the Latin derivative for bumblebee? <laughs> like that's something that children called it. Bee is like a first word, right? Like you don't like that's something that like a, a four month old can gargle. Be like so you can't go around naming a really important species something that like a four month old could utter as a first word. I'm just saying. Well, who, who, on the other guys? hand, it gives them a, a good reference from early on, right? Um, the, a close relative to the dragonfly is the damselfly, which also has a very interesting name. Yeah, probably the same guy responsible. He's like the William Shakespeare of naming insects. 
the next one will be called the wizard fly. And this is the, the elf fly. Yeah. What do you got over there? Hey, Carl, how's the, uh, how's the insect naming going? Oh, good. What do you, what did you name over there? This, I call this the, uh, the fly. Oh. <laughs> that could have been a dramatic reenactment. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to do that now? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, Carl. Uh, hello. Hey, Carl, listen, I'm just super busy over here. Listen, I got to name all these insects by lunch. I got to pick up the kid and take him to a doctor's appointment. I'm going to need your help with a couple of these. Is that okay with you? Sure. Okay, look, here, I got th- this one. I, here, just want to give you an idea where I'm at, okay? I named this one here the dragonfly. Okay, this oh. one is like a close relative. I named this the damselfly. Now, look, mm-hmm. I got seven more here. I'm on a roll. These things are coming to me. Could you just take care of this one? I'm just going to give you this one. Can you just take care of this one? What does this one do? Uh, this one, it just like it flies around. It, it lays its eggs in meat. Uh, it's got a lot of maggots. Uh, you'll notice it's got like golden eyes. It's very, very common in North America. Uh, there you go. Work, work off that. Um, fly. You're fired, Carl. Don't ever fucking come back here. <laughs> See. You literally took my name and chopped it in half and used it. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Carl. Uh, All right. Hey, I'm going to play it. Did you have something else on that? Or is that? No, I was was done with the wasps. I just thought I'd segue, but you go ahead. National Talkie League. So sexy, it hurts. I just want to hear about Circle the Wagons because I know they changed the name and I also know that you were working there this weekend. Yes. So uh, for the third time, I was uh, pleased to be a part of the Circle the Wagons event. So the first time we did it, it was, what was that location? Oh, it was down near the pump house. Yeah. Right. So there's a big field area down near the pump house, probably where they want to put the arena in, I guess, in that general yeah, vicinity. That's right. Well, they should call it the Flames Will Never Play Here Park. That's right. <laughs> uh, and then the second year we did uh, up near the Children's Hospital. So just south of the Children's Hospital, which was is soon going to be the University District. Um, and that year was crazy windy and uh, not quite as well populated, but a lot of fun. Uh, had a good time. I'll share one quick uh, anecdote with you because I know this story will please you greatly. But um, so the second year they added a few new things that they wanted to do. And one of them uh, was the, the wiener dog race, nice. right? Little Dawkins, right? And they raced them. And the reason they did this is because Jim Button said, this is the one thing that I would really like to see is a, you know, a wiener dog race, right? This would be the craziest thing. And so, uh, I distinctly remember I was standing at my table and they had these people like marching around. It was like a parade, right? You're getting people together to come and see the race. And up at the front, along with, you know, the people that were, were getting, gathering the people was Jim. And he was, you know, he was, you should, you should have seen the smile on his face. <laughs> he was absolutely gleefully blissful. And so they gathered everybody up and they went and they did these. And so, of course, I went over and watched because why would you not? Right. Yeah. Uh, and they did the wiener dog race. So they gave a prize to the fastest one and they gave a prize to the best costume and what have you. So uh, if you haven't been to the event, basically, it's a big, how would you phrase it? It's a, it's a food truck event. There's lots of food trucks. There's a couple of stages. I think the music tends to be mostly sort of electronic-y. Okay. Uh, and so there's lots of... Um, like circus people, is that the right way to phrase it? Uh, freaks, Dave. I think they just like to be called freaks. 
What performing there or like attending it? Just yeah, yeah, for yes, sure. Okay, well, yeah. sure. Uh, and they like people sitting in like acrobats and stuff like that. They'll okay. have them at the side of the stage while people are performing and stuff. It's great. It's really fun. I'm not. I'm not making fun of the event at all. So this year it was at the Curry, not Barracks anymore, formerly Curry Barracks, but now it's called Curry. Uh, we got to There's nothing wrong with calling it Curry Barracks as far yeah. as I go, but anyway. Anyway, uh, so Curry Park, I guess, is what the park is called. Um, and so they had all the kids stuff in one area. And for some reason, they always put me in the kids area. I haven't figured out why yet. Uh, you know, because when I think of Lego, I rarely think of children. But uh, <laughs> apparently a lot of people do. All right. That's just that. So I'm down in the kids area. And they had asked me to do a couple extra things this year because in the past we'd just done a, a build table. And I brought down a few of the pieces that I made. And they were like, you know, can we jazz it up? Can we do something different this year? And I was like, yeah, that sounds like that that's a good thing to do. It's good to grow. It's good to try new things. So I did two new things and they were both kind of cool in their own way. So one of them is I got some two by fours and I got a tarp and I laid out the two by fours into a big rectangle. And then I, I say I did, my wife did all of this by the way. Uh, and, uh, and then stapled the tarp to the bottom of it and put some hinges in the middle so I could fold it and take it in the van. And so basically we had about, I guess it was probably about 12 feet long by about three feet wide so and uh, so good. towards the middle of the day, we, we filled it up with a bunch of Lego bricks and had people walk across it. Like walking on hot coals. That's, I saw the video on that on Facebook, dude. I was just like, that is the best thing <laughs> I have seen in it so long. How many people did um, that? How many people, took the, the, how many people took the walk? There was probably about 20 or 30 mm-hmm. that did it by the time we finished up. Yeah. And I'd say the majority, uh, vast majority were children. Cool. The kids were cool with the idea. They wanted to do it. They were really excited. Some of them went like four or five times. The parents were very much less excited about it. And what we discovered is that weight plays a huge factor in the amount of pain <laughs> when you step on Lego. Sure. So if you're a 40-pound kid, you're not feeling any pain at all, right? Oh, I was thinking about it like uh, like the bed of nails, right? Because when you step on one Lego, like everybody knows that's you know that's that that's a career-ending injury, but – um, I was sort of thinking about it. it's like if you step on a nail, that's super painful. But if you lay on a bed of nails, that's your weight is distributed. So I, I wondered if there was that effect to it. Yeah, I think there is. Uh, if there's just a single, la- the other thing is if there's a single layer of bricks, it's fine. But we found that when we loaded it up higher, then there's the opportunity for the bricks to shift underneath your feet. What what what, are, what is your thinking here? Like let's oh yeah, it's not painful enough. Let's uh, let's make it more painful. Was no, it's your, just when we poured the bricks rationale? in, there was more at one end than the other, and we found oh the first end's not bad at all. But man, when you get to that part where there's way more brick, <laughs> it hurts a lot more. <laughs> Uh, so that was the first thing we did. And the other thing we did, uh, this was kind of, uh, this is going to be a long story, but, um, so I had this idea that we do this build thing where people would come and everyone would build their own little building and we'd add it to a village. Oh, cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We make a little layout. So I make the base plates and I leave spots that are either like a six by six Lego plate or an eight by eight Lego plate. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm showing Roger how big they are, and then I'm realizing the listeners can't see it anyway, so why bother? I think you stole uh, this idea from Sim City. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, so I had this idea, and uh, and the, I'm just I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to do this because now I got to bring all these different kinds of pieces down, right? You can't build a building without some kind of cool piece. I mean, you could build a very basic Lego building 
sure. But if I want something with windows and doors and stuff like that, now I got to make sure I have windows and doors. And so, so I call up, uh, this friend of mine, he's a sort of my, I guess my Lego mentor and a partner. I've worked with him on a few projects and I called him up and I said, I said, this is what I'm thinking about doing. I just wanted to get your input. Like, you know, have you done something like this before? What would be the best way to do this kind of thing? And I explained that while I was doing this firewalk. And he's like, you know, when you're talking about this firewalk, he said, he said, the, the first thing that popped into my head is, uh, why is this not like a, like a, like a tiki island? <laughs> And I was like, oh, this giant light bulb went off, right? So I have a giant Lego tiki that I made because I kind of like all that sort of, yeah. you know, Polynesian tiki surfy kind of stuff. Yeah. And I have a Lego surfboard that I've made. And it's like, so now I'm going, oh, I bring the surfboard, I'll bring the tiki. So we set the tiki up at one end of the village. We'll put a picture up in the show notes. And uh, so the tiki sort of looks across this island. So we built this giant frame of this island. And uh, – then I brought all these pieces that would be sort of good for, you know, something that would look like it was all being made out of wood and, and leaves and that kind of thing. And then during the day, the kids just basically made their own little huts or whatever, and then added them to the village. And it was amazing. It was so much fun. It's like the only thing I want to do now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Build tables boring now compared to that. Nice. So. You do a lot more stuff. You're, you're branching out into doing more of the serious play stuff. So. Yeah, doing more. Uh, so yeah, going away from just doing straight up mosaics and more into the serious play and into doing events like that one. Uh, just sort of, you know, doing different things with the bricks. I just had yeah. an idea. Let's do an overtime podcast where we just talk to you. I'll talk, I'll interview you about Lego serious play. Oh, okay. That would be fun. You can't say yeah. no. There's no good reason for you to say no. <laughs> But because I think it's a really interesting concept and I think that it deserves to be discussed at length because it's oh. very new and it's, it's, it's kind of, um, I think it's fascinating. You've talked to me about it. I think it's really fascinating, but I don't think it's something that in like a three minute story you can really grasp the importance. Yeah. Of I'm it. struggling with that. It's, it's hard to like the, the quote unquote elevator pitch is tricky right. on that one, but yeah, maybe we'll figure it out amongst ourselves. Okay. Oh, and so, so the one thing I wanted to report, two things I wanted to report, uh, one was at, at the day's end when everything was done. Oh, and I made a little uh, minifig of uh, of Jim Button and <laughs> of uh, James uh, Betcher and of uh, Baron Faber, the three guys that kind of run the show. Right, okay. And so Baron runs Base Bus and uh, James runs Fiasco Gelato. And uh, Jim is one of the guys from uh, from Village Brewery. Right. And so we made up special Lego tiles with each of their logos on it. And I made a little minifig. And so I gave them to those, the guys at the end. And they were so happy. Nice. It was great. It was amazing. Someone stole Fiasco Gelato tiles. I don't know what happened to them. They were <laughs> missing by the end of the day. So I have to get more made. Anyways, uh, that was beside the point. But the point was I gave them to those guys. So at the end of the day, I gave those guys their minifigs. They were all super happy and excited about that. Uh, and then I took my my buddy Winston, who would help me out all day long and help me build all this stuff for like almost no compensation. He's a genius. I love this guy. He's right. great. Um, and uh, so Jim had given us a couple drink tickets. So we went off to have a village squeeze, which is I hadn't had before. One of their beers is great. Delicious. Fantastic. And we were hungry. So one of the food trucks is there. We talked about food trucks before and how we're generally pretty disappointed. Yeah. I have some good news. I had arguably the best fried chicken sandwich I have ever had. Oh, at me. this food truck event. I'm listening. Who serves oh, this? What's that? Who serves it? 
this is what I'm trying to remember now. I just <laughs> like I, I liked their page so that I would remember. Uh, but oh my goodness, it was so good. And they're screaming at me right now. Is the name of our company? I'm going to look it up while we're talking. Okay. Because, Cause, yeah, um, I'm in a bit of a chicken uh, chicken zone right now. I've got some um, blood workout that I'm waiting to get here back on. And in the meantime, I'm not supposed to eat much red meat or drink much booze. So I'm trying really hard. You got to understand, like most people's bodies are 90% water or whatever it is. Mine's like 90% booze and red meat. <laughs> uh, so, wow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to really – this is like a U-turn for me. So I'm getting, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting pretty chickeny and I haven't had chicken on the way in a long time, but – kind of peaking Ch- my interest here chicken on the way of course always fantastic yeah. here it is it's called zilford's z-i-l-f-o-r-d-s fried chicken i believe it's a food truck i'm not sure if they have a restaurant or not but oh my goodness just like mind-blowing it was like a thick it was like a burger like bigger like a you know not a flat crappy burger but like a homemade yeah. you know like a puck all right fried Four different kinds of sauces. Wow. Oh, it was so good. All right. I, can, I want to try it. I want to try it out. You know what I nearly did last week? I was laying in bed. It was about 1130. Maybe it was closer to midnight. And I was hungry. And the only thing I could think about was going to 7-Eleven to get fried chicken. Because there's one, like, there's one about five-minute walk from my house. <laughs> and I was so hungry and, like, so close to doing this. Because I couldn't think of what's in the fridge. I actually Googled 7-Eleven fried chicken. And I found a forum and I, I opened it up and the first one was like, oh my God, the fried chicken at 7-Eleven is so good. And then all the replies were, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you're a terrorist. <laughs> like, it was just like on and on it went. It's like, all right, I'll just go to sleep then. So I did not get the fried chicken. I think I just generally haven't eaten a lot of fried foods lately. I've been like you trying to get a little healthier and so – Fried has been kind of off the list, so it, maybe that was part of it. But it, it was a damn good sandwich. And it was it was ten bucks. You got like a good fist, double fist size sandwich. It, I felt like I got my money's worth. Oh, okay, that's the important. The part eight dollar lemonade, maybe not. <laughs> that's I get it. <laughs> Lemons are expensive. See, now you just kind of ruin the whole thing for me. There, it's like, oh, yeah, do you want a cup? Remember, remember asking for a cup of water, and they're like, oh, you got to pay for the cup. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> So at uh, so yeah so the we talked before about Circle of the Wagons that they were talking about changing their name right because of a perceived cultural insensitivity okay or a possible one anyway uh, so they've decided to change the name would you like to know the new name Roger I'm dying to know it's now called Circle that's the worst thing they could have done <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just called Circle now. That's actually not the worst thing they could have. They could have gone the other way and made it more culturally insensitive. <laughs> like they could have called it Circle the Wagons. There's Indians coming. <laughs> no, uh, I'm kidding, of course. That's awful. Um, they're just calling it – but that's that doesn't change anything. Well, it keeps the, it keeps the concept of the circle, like people getting together and, and coming together. All right. I think that's the aspect that they wanted to keep. So, uh, Yeah, some – Laura who listens to the – uh, podcast all the time uh, sent me oh my god I'll share this on, on the show notes uh, but she sent a page from a book that a friend of hers read as part of her like university studies that basically said sitting in a circle is culturally insensitive is culturally insensitive yeah and the context 
is one that you'll be totally familiar with. But when you have a lot of 12 year olds in the grade six classroom, and maybe you're in a classroom that doesn't have desks, right? Like a music room or something like that. Make them sit in a circle so they can do like a mutual activity together. So in this book, and like I said, check the show notes at nationaltalkyleague.com or in your favorite podcast player. You'll see a link to this page and it's like, you can read it for yourself and go, you got to be kidding me. Like I, there are a lot of people in this country right now who want to have the healing journey with First Nations, but uh, there, there's a line that they're not willing to cross. And that is like way on the other side of it. But so I think like changing the name from Circle the Wagons is like, yeah, we should change that. That's that that can easily be construed as culturally insensitive. But I think to like change it, not change it, yeah, we're gonna just call it circle now. It's like you're still gonna have people go, Well, that's not really a departure now, is it? But sorry, can you explain the the cultural insensitive thing? Is it the same concept? Like I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm missing something. I'm not getting it. But I think that's the point: is that I can't explain to you why it's culturally oh, okay, okay, insensitive. Because okay. I think that this person who claimed it was culturally insensitive is so batshit crazy that she might be the only person who claimed it's culturally insensitive. It's Just it's the, it's it, the geometry she's got an issue with. Yeah, it's like the fact that like you know First Nations people would sit in a circle in in ceremonies and whatnot, and so to do the same thing outside of a First Nations uh, ceremony is culturally insensitive. And it's like, no, it's not. You. The Indians didn't invent this circle. Like, come on. But what about the style of sitting? We used to call that <laughs> sit like an Didn't Indian. we? Yeah. Which again, I don't I want to know where that came from too. All right, sit like an Indian. Like, uh, I've yeah. seen a lot of Indians not sitting this way. Yeah. <laughs> like, now it's called crisscross applesauce. That's what they tell the kids. That's what that is. Until uh some something about apples. I don't know what it'll be, but that'll, that'll wreck that one. Uh, hey, hey uh, go ahead. Uh, just before we move on, just got a message actually live right while we're talking here uh, from uh, from one of our new listeners. Apparently, his name's Rob, and Rob had just messaged us and said, "Hey guys, love the podcast. I've been listening for a month or two now, and I catch up with everything when I work weekends and have to get up nice and early on my family's cattle feeding operation. Oh, cool! I miss hearing Roger on seven seventy. So it's nice to hear his take on everything uncensored with no bullshit. <laughs> podcast feels like a I'm just having a beer with you and talking. You've got a friend in uh, Rainier, Alberta. Keep it up. In where? Rainier, Alberta. R-A-I-N-I-E-R? Correct. Oh, man. That's a beauty. I love it. I love – I've got to be honest with you, man. I love cattle uh, uh, Cattle people. Like I said a half a second ago, right? Uh, I'm like 90% red meat and beer. I, I put our beef up against any beef in the world. I think it's the best stuff there is. And I tucked into a the most delicious steak. Here's the thing. I wasn't – so I haven't had like red meat in a month and then I was at the grocery store and I just was like, screw this. It says Alberta. It says it's got three A's on it. I'm doing this. I bought a big juicy ribeye, grilled it perfect. My wife likes it uh, uh, about medium. So this thing came off like drippy blood red and I was like, you're eating it. It's the only steak I'm having this month. <laughs> oh my god. It's so good. But those guys, it's like every time I eat a steak, I swear to you, I swear to you. I know how much work went into it and thank you so much because man, there's nothing better. I also had a steak tonight. Really good. My wife went out and bought some really good steaks for us and we grilled them to perfection tonight. So yes, thumbs up to our cattle feeding and uh, processing and raising friends here in Alberta. He could be the embryo guy though. We don't know. He could be the guy who's like putting on that rubber glove that goes up to the shoulder and shoving 
cow fetuses up up cow. <laughs> uh, he did say cattle feeding. If we're still talking about Rob, I don't, I don't know what Rob calls it. <laughs> <clears throat> so yes. Yeah, Let me clear my throat. Yeah. You know, it segued so I thought that the, the, the racial overtones of the Circle the Wagons conversation segue so well into this racist bitch uh, at the Jagmeet Singh um, rally. So it's kind of weird. It's like I, I really hate this woman for a very good reason because she made me side with someone who wants to be the leader of the NDP. <laughs> Is that fair for me to say? Is I think I don't detest Jagmeet Singh at all. No, I'm 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 fairly certain, having not read any of his policy platforms whatsoever, and I can confidently say that none of this has anything to do with his race. I don't agree with the guy, probably because he wants to be the leader of a party I don't agree with. Now, and that is fair. And here's how I know I'm not racist, because Jack Layton. And Thomas Mulcair are his uh, would-be predecessors, right, if he becomes the leader. And those are two guys I didn't agree with, and they're both white guys. So I'm just uh, kind of putting too fine a point on it here. But um, for this, this was like a major viral video around the country this week. Uh, this is Jennifer Bush getting in the face of Jagmeet Singh at a, uh, a rally and he shuts her down pretty effectively, I think, just because it makes the viral the video even more viral. But if you listen to the tape, listen to what she says, if you can. Uh, there's one thing that stands out. So, Dave, we'll just we'll listen to the tape here. And and, and you are wonderful. And let's say let's just say as as Canadians, do we believe do we believe in celebrating all diversity? Do we believe in celebrating diversity? Give it a round of applause for side diversity. A round of applause for diversity. All right. It's okay. Back up, ladies. Back up. When is your Sharia going to end? We know your vote. We can tell by your votes. We all know. That's it. It's okay. So, what this is, what this is, we don't want to be intimidated by hate. We don't want hatred to ruin a positive event, right? We don't want hatred to ruin a positive event. So let's show people how we would treat someone with love. We welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you. We love you. We support you and we love you. We support you. We love you. We all here, everyone in this room, everyone in this room loves you. We all support you. We believe in your rights. We all believe in your rights. This room is a room filled of people that are loving and that will support you. But this isn't the best way to do it. But it's okay. We're going to talk some more. Okay. So in the course of that tape, she asks him, when is your Sharia going to stop? Or when is your Sharia going to end? And it's everybody in the country in unison, like smacks their head and goes, he's not Muslim. He is <laughs> He's a Sikh. And you can tell because he's wearing head, he's got headwear on that is not Muslim, that is Sikh. And so it begs the question it's like, when are the smart racists coming out? <laughs> right? Do we have some of those really? 
I just, I, I, I guess I think, Dave, that this is like the trailers and eventually the movie's going to start. <laughs> right. So like the racist movement that we have, and there's like a lot of racism in, in, in our country and in America, I think I might, I'd be willing to say it's as bad in Canada. Um, but anyway, I just sort of feel like at some point in time, somebody has, some racist has to come out and not be as stupid as the other racists that we've seen. Doesn't that like, doesn't it just stand a reason? I think the people who are smarter are generally smart enough to know when to not open their mouths, like in a public forum, that kind of thing. Right. right? Yeah. Because you're never going to win, right? Well, no, not when you're demonstrably wrong. Like that's the problem with, with racism, right, is that you're going to say something stupid almost immediately. <laughs> Sorry, and when I say you're not going to win, I don't mean like you've got a point, racist guy, <laughs> and you're going to come out on top. I mean in the the idea that you you walk into a candidate forum or or there's a you know a candidate up on stage and you walk up to them and start shouting at them, you're never going to win that argument. Is right. what I meant. So okay, segue with me here then, because that's the other thing about this this tape that's so like bothersome to me is that don't don't steal the floor from someone who's got the microphone, right? Like, so this is an event where he's going to speak to a, an audience that presumably wants to hear what he has to say. And I think that that's a really important thing to respect. Now, and I will say this in a couple of different, different instances, right? It's like when the men's rights association at the university wants to have like a, what can we do about male suicide thing? Let them have the thing, let them have the session and then shoot everything they say full of holes. But don't shout them down because you don't win. And and so I guess if you want to debate this, I mean, you might say, well, hang on, Roger. You know, what about the racists in Charlottesville or something like that? Should you give them the floor too? I'm like, absolutely. I really think you should. I think that when David Duke wanted to like run for office, the best thing that you could do is let him talk. Because I don't think that empowers him so much as it does discredits him. Now – Trump, for all of his, you know, Looney Tune shit that he pulled off during the election, he didn't alienate um, an entire group of people, right? There's a lot of Latinos that voted for Trump, that the Latinos that played by the rules, that emigrated to the country fairly and that established businesses and that don't like to see, you know, people in their uh, in their community, um, you know, doing bad things or, or dragging the rest of the community down. Uh, you can say that about any 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 group of people, any race of people. But I just sort of think that it's like one of the best things that you can do is to let somebody speak so that you have their record that you can then attack. But if you just just bark at them, then we never get to that point. Does that make sense? I'm just kind of riffing here. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, a lot of people are saying right now, like, well, there's certain things that you shouldn't let people have the mic for. But I mean, I guess especially in the states where the whole concept is that you know everyone has the right to say what they think. You don't have, you know, you have to believe them. You don't have to put up with them. But, you know, the idea that and also the idea that, yeah, if you let these guys talk, they're going to sort of show you that, you know, you shouldn't be listening to them. Right. They're going to say stuff where you can go, well, listen to what these guys are saying. That's why you shouldn't take them seriously. It's that whole concept of, you know, give them enough rope to hang themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 nervous, actually, about our, our speech laws in this country. I think that that free speech includes hate speech. You know, and you should be allowed to say hateful shit in the public square, and people should be allowed to go. You're insane. Um, 
You know, it's it's weird. Like one of the reactions to Jennifer Bush, and by the way, uh, we'll play her response video in just a second here. But um, one of the reactions to it is like the people who are outing her and trying to get her fired, right? Like basically saying on social media, I wonder how her employer feels knowing that she says stuff like this. And I'm sort of like, wait, now you're you're actively just trying to like ruin this person's life. And I've, I I wonder where my line on that is because I think that the, a light should be shined on her. And I certainly think that her employer should probably go like, have a, have an opinion about it. But I don't think people should be going, hey, place where she works. What do you think of her crazy bullshit? Yeah, I'm not, I don't know if I'm cool with that because the left has been very, very outspoken about uh, doxing is what they call it on right. the internet, right? Yeah. Where you – reveal someone's phone number or their address or something or some way to find them. Um, they're very outspoken when it's their people that that's happening to. But yet when this whole supremacy thing came up, they were the first ones on board with like, Hey, look at this guy. Let's get him fired. And I'm not saying one side's right. One side's wrong. I'm saying both sides are doing the same thing here, guys. You should at least recognize that. Right. Okay. So here's Jennifer Bush's response. And this is how you know she's not racist. I went to confront Jag- Jagmeet Singh about his policies. First off, I recognize the fact that he's a Sikh and not a Muslim. My concern was his policy, what he's voting for, what that represents for Canadians. He strongly opposed the kneecap ban in, uh, in Quebec. Very, very important. He strongly opposes that. What is that? That's Sharia. He strongly supports M103. What is that? A blasphemy law. A blasphemy law? Yes, Sharia. So those are the things I went to discuss with him and ask those questions of him, why he would support such things. Not a racist. Um, I, I, I strongly support the Hindus. We work together on a regular basis to get political ideas moving, to move our country together. Uh, Color, race, religion, they're really not the point here. The point is the policies. What does this man vote for? So I love the whole, I work with Hindus. (laughs) I'm not racist. I love Chinese food. What are you talking about? I knew a black fellow once, so I'm not racist. My my friend's son is gay. I'm gay. I'm not homophobe. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's... It's too bad, right? Like, don't run away from the comment that you made. Like, she's got, she had some time to think about it. And it's like, oh, no, it's his policies and the way he votes and stuff. And saying that a woman in Canada should be allowed to wear a niqab is Sharia. That's absurd. So, and, and by the way, you couldn't be a woman criticizing a man for upholding Sharia in a country where we have Sharia. Is that point lost on anyone? <laughs> so, like, I'm just kind of sick of the whole notion. Like, I remember one lady calling QR one time and going, oh, in three years, we're going to have Sharia law. And I was like, you're fucking mental. How many, like, have you looked at at CPAC before? Have you ever turned on politics? Do you think that all the women in the parliament building would vote for Sharia? Do you think a nation under a female ruler could oppress women? Do you? Like, honestly, it just the, it just infuriates me. In the same way that only people who live like in the Beltline and downtown use the word urban sprawl. 
Uh, only like super racist people use the term Sharia law. As soon as someone says that, you know that you can just discount everything they're saying. Yeah. As soon as they bring that term up. I have never, ever heard uh, a Sikh or a Muslim or a Hindu ever mention that concept. None of them ever talk about it. It's only those people. <laughs> that's, that's well put. Yeah. And then, okay. But hang on, because this kind of blends quite seamlessly here. Because I, I could take you to a place where they will say, oh, we need Sharia. Like we absolutely need to have Sharia in Canada. It's the only answer. Those are crazy people, and we need to let them speak so that we can identify who they are, and then like go, hey, we we got to make sure that, that we keep this thing under wraps, or, or not under wraps, but under check. We got to make sure we know what's going on over here. Well, and there's something to be said. Like you're you're absolutely right. There's something to be said for that idea that you know if you shine a light on something, you know where it is, you know where it stands, as opposed to letting it sort of grow in the dark, right? If you don't take on the the white supremacists, if you don't let people know who they are or hey, see now I'm talking, I'm not talking doxing, but you know, right. you know, show people who these people are and what they're about. Uh, then it grows in darkness. Right. And as soon as the, if nobody's shining a light on it, maybe it gets bigger and it gets, it starts taking hold. Right? Yeah. See the reason this stuff works, right. The reason that, that people get racist is because there's a comfort in it. And like the, the white supremacists, they know this, right. They can go get the kid in high school. Who's got no friends. He's a loner. And they can just go to him and say, Hey, you know, we care about you. Like come in. Uh, we're, we're studying mind Kampf tonight and we're going to listen to some, uh, you know, metal music that is the bad kind. Anyway, uh, you get the point, right? So it's like they, they forge Pantera. a <laughs> Hey, how dare you? <laughs> so what they do is they, they like, they, they bring this person into a community and they say, Hey, we got your back. We're brothers. Right. And by the way, we hate Jews. And so that's how that stuff continues to grow. And what I think is, is sh so shitty about that is that like, I think it should be a really easy model to break, which is, you know, it's one measure. Don't be an asshole to each other. And it's another measure. Like, let's talk about this stuff. Like, let's not have anybody. Like, remember Marge Schott was the, uh, no, you don't remember. She was the owner of the Cincinnati Reds. I did know that. Right. And she said uh, in like an interview, I can't remember who it was with, but she said, well, Hitler did some good things. Like, he built roads. And it was like, okay, but here's, here's where you're really stupid. <laughs> right. And so it's sort of like, you can't allow the world to exist where there's people who are confused about Hitler, right? You can't have a world where it's like, like what was it about Marge shot? Did somebody not explain to her like how bad Holocausts are, right? <laughs> Did someone not explain to her that like murdering people for their culture and their race and their ethnicity is like the wrong is just so far on this, that side of the evil line. So I just sort of think that like every time an instant instance like that happens, or every time I see like a, a a bright young man who wants to side with skinheads and and Nazis, I'm just sort of like, where did we let you down? Because this is a really easy one. Like showing you a pamphlet about Nazi Germany should be enough to convince you that these people are some bad fuckers I don't need to associate with. So how did we fail you? And that's a conversation that I want to have. So the same thing with Jennifer Bush. It's like. How did we screw you up? Where did you fall off the tracks? Because we need to know because there's a lot of, of Canadian women who've got really bright futures ahead of them that could actually end up going down the same road as you. And that is not a good place to be. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think you make a really good point there. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to be said for, you know, getting it out in the open. I don't want to be a guidance counselor though. So don't, don't you go asking me. <laughs> 
Well, so we're on the topic of of uh, well, we talked about the city briefly. Sorry, did you have more to no, share? No, I'm, I'm out. My my uh, clip is empty. Yes, excellent. <laughs> Your magazine is empty. Right? Uh, is it clip? <laughs> so uh, we had uh, we had asked our our talkies. We said, "Hey guys, we're recording tonight. What do you want us to talk about?" Because we don't often think to do that, and it, it could be fun to find out what people want to find out and uh, so we asked on twitter as well as on the facebook page so rob on twitter asked us he said what should be the three or four key topics in the upcoming civic election hmm. and so i place that question to you roger albert kincaid what? <laughs> it's, not, it's not albert do you know what my middle name is oh uh, wait do i know what your i don't think you do is? actually i never ever use it what letter does it start with d it starts with a d D. So I'm going to guess David. It's Dennis is my middle name. My, my uncle, I did not know that. Yeah, wow. My, my uncle's name is Dennis and his, his priest wow. uh, that baptized him or christened him, I guess, was uh, French Canadian. So he spelt it the French way, Denis, D-E-N-I-S. Oh, okay, yeah. So my name is Dennis with one N. And then I remember my mom, after a bit of wine on Christmas one time, and I'm in my 20s at this point, said, it's like penis with a D. And I was like, <laughs> I just kind of checked. And I was like, I think that's the most hurtful thing my mother's ever said about me. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> to the question at hand, Dave Ware, uh, I think that the stadium will be one. Um, what to do about a hockey rink will be one. Uh, I, I'm sure that there will be – because these are easy to politicize, right? So right. I think that will be one, and I think. No, but that, sorry, are, we, are you answering what you think will be or what you think should be? Yeah, because I'm going to wrap. I'm going to move on from this point and say, but those are not what should be. Okay. Um, I think the only thing, well, that in the Olympics, okay, but I think the only thing that really should be uh, a uh, a question is uh, how we're going to balance the the tax situation in the city with downtown being as empty as it is and with this city for a long time having this idea that businesses don't vote, so tax them. Well, you kind of got yourself into a spot where the businesses kind of go away uh, or can't pay the tax essentially. And then now we've got this whole other uh, problem on our hands. So I think that this city has been a little bit mismanaged in that respect. And I think that um, somebody should come up with a plan. I hate to always come back to taxation, Dave, but I think that it, that's kind of like one of the biggest issues that we face as we become a massive city. We're going to boom again, and we're going to be a two million person city, maybe three or four in our lifetime. And you know, we need to figure this stuff out now. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. When I was thinking about this question, it was also the this sort of tax creep that we've had even the last few years. Taxes have been going up and going up. And I, I mean, I understand that we've got a lot of infrastructure going in that uh, we're finishing up some projects that maybe should have done under Bronco's watch. Bronco is finishing up some projects that should have been done under Al Dewar's <laughs> watch. Al Dewar didn't really do much when he was in. So, uh, so yeah, I get that there's a lot of that going on and it's tricky because it's this whole, you know, if you want to be, it, it seems like Calgary's got this, this hard on to be the, like a great world city. seems like we're trying really hard to be a world city now, like a place that people think about. And so part of that is, you know, bringing in more culture and bringing in more architecture. And I guess in a way, like part of me loves that because, that's the things that I also love, but then I got to pay for it all. And that I'm not <laughs> as fond of. Yeah. I just, yeah. So I always had this idea and it's a bit of a joke, but it's also not a joke. Right. So the idea was 
McLeod Trail is a dump. <sighs> Sorry, chicken on the way. I know you're on there. You're like the, the, the shining star of McLeod Trail. But like from pretty much uh, the bottom of Cemetery Hill all the way down to like Anderson Road. Right. There's like, it's dumpy. There's a couple really cool spots along there. There's the co op, and then there's like Camper's Village and, but Chinook Center. It's a dump. Okay. The place needs a makeover. It's kind of industrially. You know what it is? It's like, it's like stuff just was allowed to happen there. And like people had ideas that they kind of walked away from. And so you ended up with like a lot of like car dealerships that just now they sell only cars no one wants. Is it wrong to say it's a bit Edmonton-like? It's pretty Edmonton-y. Edmonton's it is. A, it's very Edmonton-y. Edmonton's a cool town. It's got its cool pockets, but it's also got some like afterthought areas, right? Anyway, McLeod Trail's like that. So my whole thing was like, look, just blow up everything except for Chinook Center. So think about it this way. Start, start with phase one, okay? So from 58th Avenue, which is like the north boundary of Chinook, all the way to Cemetery Hill, you just level it and you build casinos. And the casinos... <laughs> Dave, don't laugh because it sounds dismissive. Okay. And I'm talking like Las Vegas strip casinos. Okay. So like put up these big things and then you're going to have a lot of hotel rooms, which is great because Dave, five minute walk from this area, every summer we have this big cowboy festival, right? So people are going to like the fact that there's some hotel inventory on that strip. And then you're going to have casinos and it's going to be fantastic. Now, and they have the casinos stretch over the roadway, right? So then you get this entire like 20 city blocks of covered uh, of covered roadway. It's, you know, get a port cochers under there for people. It's, oh, it's an amazing idea. Underground parking, the world's your oyster. Now, here's the thing about my casino idea is that it wouldn't ever work because of the taxes on gambling and on, um, uh, liquor and, and whatnot. And the fact that you can't smoke inside. So it's like, here's a way that you could actually purchase an industry for your city and be like Las Vegas North. And people would go to it. It would happen. People would come and people would love it. But could it ever happen in Canada? Not a chance in hell. It's because of regulation. Fair enough. So I don't even know why we got off on that tirade. What, I would just so like what that. happens on the other side of Chinook Center? Well, you wait for it to work and then you name the neighborhood after me. And then you build a second wave of even better casinos like they did so in you Vegas. Just wanted, right? You want it to be Great Falls then. <laughs> no, see, Great Falls has got those like strip mall casinos, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, I'm talking about. So, like, you've been to Vegas before, yeah? I I have, yes. You've been downtown. I have. So the Fremont Street experience, all the old cruddy casinos, and like they're old and vintage and kitschy now, and it's like, oh yeah, go get the original Vegas experience. That's phase one. And then what they did is they were like, hey, uh, there's a whole bunch of land. Not far from here, let's build ginormous casinos that make 10 times as much money as these ones do. And that's what they've got now. I like it. I All can't right. say I don't. I have no idea why I brought that up now. I'm so far from the start line on that. It's like, it's like I'm, <laughs> I'm 23 hours into Le Mans and I'm just not sober anymore. <laughs> All right. So we were talking uh, election issues. Right. That's, what, that's where we got into this thing. So I think you're right. The taxation thing is going to be a big election issue. I don't know if there are a whole lot of other big issues. I mean, you could talk the stadium, but uh, I hate for that to become the reason that someone gets voted in or doesn't. It seems dumb to be. Yep. I think it's, yeah, I just hate the fact that that's a political question at all, but it is. 
Well, and 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 then she came out today saying like, oh, yeah, I think the stadium should go in where we think it should go in. It should be part of the, the East Village. I mean, they've really been working the East Village as being a sort of a cultural hub for the city. Right. And I guess in a way, I kind of like that, too. Although now it's sort of, you know, at, at some point that the percentage will tip from like 50 percent homeless, 50 percent East Village condo people. <laughs> to you know, yeah. tip in the favor of the condo people at some point. I, I do still stand by my original statement, though, that um, if they, I would go to the library, that new library they're building. If the Calgary Flames played hockey on the second floor of it, <laughs> <laughs> then I would see that as as a good use of municipal funds. But whatever. So this is a good topic to bring up too. Is uh, I was reading that uh, the Westbrook Library has been running into a lot of issues with sort of drunken, disorderly people hanging around the library. Um, my understanding is because it's one of the few LRT stations that connects directly to a library, and the library is a place where people can generally go and not be sort of policed on their way in and out of the door. But now they're running into a lot of trouble with people being sort of drunk and disorderly in that whole Westbrook area. What's going on with that area? You were there for a little while. What's the deal with that area? It seems uh, like a mostly a nice area. It's fine. I think it's got a bit of a bad rep, but I don't know. There's some hoodlums around there, I guess. I never really experienced anything bad when I was over there, so I can't really cast judgment on it. But I do like the whole, like, like if you're drunk or disorderly, are we kind of forgiving you there but when you combine the two now we've got a you can have dogs or alcohol <laughs> that's that's just right <laughs> um yeah so i don't know what do you want to do like who didn't see that one coming hey we're gonna put the first stop out of downtown basically in a, a place where people can stay warm oh yeah it's weird <laughs> well, and it, the first thing i thought of when i was thinking about this was your was your whole concept that we talked about that. I don't know what it's called, like the displacement or the shifting or something like that. Like we were yeah. talking about it in terms of, you know, if you move the stadium, you're not necessarily creating new jobs. You're just moving those jobs. You're, you're moving them along with the thing. So is this that same sort of concept that we're not really getting rid of a homeless problem? We're just shifting it elsewhere. Oh, it totally is. That's the funny thing about this, this monster library that they're building downtown. It's like, if I, I don't know, I just see a whole lot of, of of homeless people looking at that thing and going, man, I can't wait for that to open. That's going to be a great place to sleep. And well, and it's like, and I'm not. I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound insensitive. I'm not trying to be critical, but it's it's just sort of like, look, if you enable a problem, it, it's going to happen. So if you view homeless people in libraries as a problem, um, and you build nicer libraries that are more convenient for homeless people, you're just going to have more of that problem. I think that it would be far better to reframe the issue is instead of it's like, hey, there's homeless people squatting at libraries. F- deal with it. Figure out how to put something in place there that actually helps people not be the quote unquote problem. Yeah, that's I, that's that's bang on. Yeah. I mean, if you had a place where people could go and, you know clean up and uh, have some education or, or at least talk about issues. I mean, some people don't want to be helped, but nothing you can do for those people. Right. Some people can't, but no, you're right. It's like, if instead of just having like books and people pretending to work, you know, you also had some resources in place there and, and some resource officers that could actually do some help. Cause I don't know. It just sort of seems silly to have like librarians phoning the police. Like that's not the solution. And that's probably what happens. And they probably go in there a lot. So why is that library not have a guard on duty? Yeah, but I don't know if that's – I mean I, I get the question. I don't know if that's the thing either. 
right? Like I have no idea what the solution is. And I, and yeah. I think this is yeah. one of the problems that we have in, in our cities right now is where we, you know, like we just have systems that are set up and there's no nimbility. There's no ability for any of these uh, people who could actually help to like get in there and help. Cause it's, you've got to set up a process and you got to get approvals and you got to this and that. It's like government is just the slowest moving machine there is. Absolutely. Um, All hey, right. So um, do, you, do you have something else? Cause I have a segue for you and it'll get us out of this, the serious stuff that we're talking about. And it's also like, Germany's gift to Dave Ware. Yes. Before we get to that gift, uh, we did have one more. Uh, Michael was asking us about the speed limit drop on Highway 1 east of Chestermere. Oh. Does dropping the limit on a major road increase safety or ro- road rage more? Uh, do you want the actual answer? What do you think? I know what the real answer is. I think that speed limits need to be set more based on reality and less on some concept that an engineer made up a long time ago. I get that they're there for safety and to reduce accidents, but we all know of those places where it's like, this is crazy that it's slowing down here. There's no need for it to be slowing down here or no need that we can see, I guess. And it's those places that, that make me a little ragey. I guarantee you that whatever the results are, um, they'll, they'll explain it in the way that they want it. They'll just show you the stats that, that bolster the, the uh, supposition, if you will, or whatever they whatever they figured, whatever they assumed. Hey, if we slow it down, we'll have safer metrics, and then they'll just show you those stats and not tell you about the other ones. Which is, I think, that's what the whole experiment's designed to do. But it's ridiculous. I had a I had a moment where I was driving downtown, and I don't know if you know this approach. Probably you come from the other direction, but so if you go over the Tenth Street Bridge heading into downtown. What happens if you're trying to get over to say Ninth Ave? Um, basically, you need to get over to the right-hand lane and pretty much stay there, and then you need to go back over into the left-hand lane in order to be able to make your turn. And so it's just a sort of funneling down into lanes, and a lot of those lanes are turning left to go on Fourth Ave and Fifth Ave, and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm waiting at this light. The light changes, turns green. The car in front of me who can't turn left, so I know he's not turning left. Sometimes I get mad at left turners. Um, just waiting, just sitting there. So you give him a little horn, right? He's like, hey, come on, wake up. And then I'm like, he's still not moving. What's going on? And then I realize there's a police uh, bike, motorbike sitting there with his lights on. I'm like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, oh, crap. Is it a funeral? Now I feel horrible. I just (laughs) talked to this guy for waiting for it. But it wasn't a funeral. It was uh, three people jogging with torches that weren't lit. And there's some sort of banner. I didn't quite catch what the banner was. And then there's another police vehicle behind them. And they're jogging pretty goddamn slow, <laughs> was my thought, as they turned in front of me. And so then I had to crawl along behind. I was already a good hour late for work at this point. It's crawling along, and I'm watching these people go. And then I realized they're going all the way to Ninth Avenue. Oh, my God. And they're going to make the left turn onto Ninth Avenue that I also have to make. And then I get to follow these people. And then right before my turn for my parking lot, a good block in front of that, the three people that are are are, are jogging hand the torches over to some different people. And so that takes another couple of minutes to get that going. And by the end of this, I'm like, I don't even care what your cause is anymore. I just want you off the goddamn road. No one cares about what you're doing right now. There are no people lined up to watch you. You're literally just running down a row. 
That's it was the wild. It was the United Way kickoff, I think. Oh God, was it? I was actually I so, gonna yeah. Google it. Well, yeah. Oh well. Wow. But go. it was just like it was. It wasn't that there was dozens or hundreds of people lining the road. It was literally those three people, and then the three people that were taking over had a different banner, so they had to get their banner out. And I'm just like. I know that this is probably for charity, but I just want you to get the hell off the road. Were the torches not lit because of the fire ban, by the way? That's probably true. <laughs> One of them was trying to do a brisket, but it wasn't working. Jeez. <laughs> All right, Dave. Um, so this isn't, we got, we got to work. This is a work in progress, but this is so, so delightfully wonderful. We're going to give it to you raw today. But Dave's idea for his segment on this program, a new segment was to talk about a program that he's watching on Netflix or something like that, share something with you. And, 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 you know, Dave, it, this is going to be great because you're going to do whatever you want with it. And it's going to be awesome every, every week that you do it. But the bar has been set by Johannes with the intro to this segment. Oh, watch out, watch out, watch out, watching. Watch out, watch out, watch out, watching. What are you watching? It's a segment where Dave Ware answers the question, hey, what are you watching? Oh, that was a thing of beauty right there. What do you think was going through Johannes's mind when he was recording that? I wonder. You know, he hasn't really uh, ever said your scripts are weird or anything like that. And we believe he listens to this podcast. Uh, but he plays along. He's a good sport, and we appreciate it. We, I actually really like what he does. Yes. Yeah, awesome. No, we, we may sort of poke fun from time to time, but really, really like it. I think it's cool and different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, because Roger said, okay, I got a segment called let me clear my throat, which you've heard earlier. And Roger often has uh, strong opinions loosely held. That's true. Uh, about, uh, politics. And I like that about Roger. He's passionate about that. I'm not as passionate about that though. I do get riled up from time to time. <laughs> uh, so I was trying to figure out what my segment should be. And, uh, you know, I don't think people want to hear uh, Lego stories every single week, although I could tell them every single week. So I thought, oh, something else that I do a lot of is uh, watching a lot of television and movies. Uh, certainly, I'm no expert. Uh, I've been to a few film studies courses in my day, and I like to think that I've got a good eye for, you know, movie uh, framing and shot composition and what have you. But mostly I just like watching TV and I watch a lot of it. So I think that gives me the, the platform to speak a little bit about what it is I'm watching. Yeah, it and makes, what you, about. makes you an expert as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of – I have friends now. Our, our uh, fellow talkie, uh, Keith Andrews, often asks me. He'll say, what should I watch next? Nice. And I'll suggest a television show to him and he'll say, really? And I'll say, dude, you ask me this every single time. Every single time you say, well, what should I watch? And then I tell you, and then you love it. And then next time I tell you something, you're like, really? <laughs> like, don't you know by now? <laughs> so what are, you, what are you giving us this week? A recommendation or something to avoid? Well, so yeah, there's a couple. So uh, while I was getting ready for this uh, Circle the Wagons gig, I, of course, I was doing a lot of uh, building up late with the Lego. And so all, what I like to do is I like to put a movie on or something on just to sort of keep me company. Uh, it could be a podcast if I have a few of those in the bag. Um, but it's got to be something that I don't really need to focus on, right? It's like background, right? Right. If it's too interesting, I stop what I'm doing and now I'm not helping myself. So uh, so I was halfway through uh, the, uh, the brilliant – I'm just kidding when I say that uh, – Bad Teacher. Oh, okay. Uh, Cameron uh, Diaz and Justin Timberlake. Yeah. yeah. 
Cameron Diaz, Justin Timberlake. Uh, it was not great. It was okay. It wasn't great in it by any stretch of the imagination. So after that's done, Netflix says, oh, here's some other movies that are like that or that you might like. And one of them was a new uh, Netflix film, and it was called Naked. And it's starring, I think it's Marlon Wayans, I want to say. <laughs> I think it was one of the Wayans's. You watched this? You didn't watch uh, this? Yeah, because because again, I was doing something else and didn't really care. And right. so the concept of this movie is that this guy is a substitute teacher. He's getting married and uh, goes out and uh, ties one on the night before, and then he wakes up in an elevator naked. The naked doesn't really have a lot to do with the movie, but they really do focus on it in the the ad. Um, and he wakes up and he has to find some clothes and then he has to get to the church and not miss his wedding. And what he finds after an hour when the church bells start ringing is that he wakes up in the elevator again. And so his he's on a one hour. It's Groundhog Day in one hour. Yeah. Um, Everybody who heard you just do that <laughs> felt just as ripped off as I did. <laughs> like I was like when you said, oh, then the bells ring and then he wakes up in the elevator again. I just went. Wow, that sounds like Groundhog Day, but not good. <laughs> and honestly, there is zero reason this movie need to be made. It it shares nothing new. It adds nothing to the genre. It's like, I don't know, somebody just wanted to make some bucks. Let's, oh, you know, it's kind of like Groundhog Day. That'd be cool. Let's do that. Uh, yeah, it's a total miss for me. It, uh, maybe it? somebody might like it, but uh, Dennis Haysbert was in it uh, from 24. You'll remember him as the president for a while on right. 24. He's great. He's always good, but uh, I just want to know if it's like one of those things, like where Netflix paid Adam Sandler like this some, some ungodly sum to make a bunch of crappy movies. Like, did they do the same thing with the Wayans brothers? It could very well be. Uh, no, I'm not sure, uh, but I would not be surprised very much. Well, don't you think that? And I'm, I'm not going to get in, off on a tangent here or a tangerine, as my friend Jim Richards likes to say. Um, <laughs> don't you think that this the Adam Sandler thing is actually like a government funded experiment? Like the movies are that bad that there has to be some strange explanation for all the Adam Sandler movies on 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 Netflix. Well, I don't know. I mean, do, do we want to talk Adam Sandler in general or just the specifics of the Netflix deal? I think we shouldn't talk about either because <laughs> there's it's fraught with despair. But well, so all, the, all I'm saying is those movies are are really bad, and there has to be an explanation for it. Well, so so in general, Adam Sandler for a long time has been making movies, producing them himself. He's got his own guys that do the directing. He's got his own producers. So what happens is he makes a movie. It's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it makes money. Consistently and regularly, Adam Sandler's movies make money. So people say, why do they keep letting this guy make movies, Right. Gets He gets in under budget. He makes money for the studio. That's what the studio wants, right? Sure, they love to have a gigantic mega hit on their hands. But if they know – if it's a, it's a guaranteed money, right? It's yeah. guaranteed money in the bag. That's why Sandler gets to make money. That's probably why he's got the Netflix deal because Netflix feels that his fans will watch anything that he's in. They're probably right. I bet you they're right. And yeah, I mean I don't I don't hate Adam Sandler. I kind of like the sort of the mediocrity of a lot of his movies. I have to say, yeah, I've watched many of them, not all of them, but many of them. And I like the sort of fact that, you know, you know exactly what you're getting in for. You're not going to be surprised very often. Um, but yeah, the Netflix stuff is just, it's like a new level. It's almost like an artistic level of garbage. 
that is- where you go, what the hell? How did this script, like even the guys making it, you guys felt that this was up to snuff? Really? Really? Yeah. Th- thank you. You've actually, that's the best I've ever heard that stated. And I'm going to actually, I'm going to say that from now on and take credit for it too. <laughs> that, that's an artistic level of suck. Because you're right. Like at some point, like some, somebody finished that script. Which is insane to me, like that someone was writing the script to like the cobbler and then thought to themselves, oh, this is just not worth finishing, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like, (laughs) and you know, I like Sandler too. And so here's my, here's my, here's what I say to you and you can, you discuss it if you like, but I'm more interested in, in what else you watched. I think Adam Sandler should, uh, if he made only serious, did only serious roles henceforth, uh, his movies would, that would be an improvement for his films. Yeah, I think you're right. He's done a couple kind of more serious turns, and they've often been very good. Um, the last one was probably what uh, is it? Was it Funny Funny People? Is that the one? The uh, Judd Apatow? The, yeah, exactly. And it was, uh, he played. A he was decent in that. The movie was too long, and suddenly featured Judd Apatow's family for no particular reason at all. Uh, Punch Drunk Love was really good. Uh, I like Paul Thomas Anderson. He think he's a great director. Uh, and, and that was a really interesting turn for, for Sandler and Spanglish was his other sort of uh, pseudo series role. What's her name? Tia Leone was in that, right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, and that one was all right too. I mean, like the, 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 the prime Sandler stuff was the, it was the kind of moronic idiotic stuff when he wasn't taking himself seriously, when he wasn't even thinking about that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. The, the big, you know, you know, you, you, you think of the big ones right off the top of your head, right? His company's named after two of them, right? Yeah. Happy well, Madison. Happy right? Madison, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison. Um, but then you look at, at the movie um, uh, Big Daddy, and it's sort of like comedy. And the premise of the film was funny. Like, you know, it was, a, it was a, uh, not a comedy. Uh, what am I trying to say? A movie where the, the characters generate the comedy, but like the premise generates the comedy in that film. And so his, his role in Big Daddy, like, yeah, his lines were often jokes, but it was, it was not a like you know a character yuckster kind of role for him but um again there i i grabbed the wheel dave and turned it down the the uh, adam sandler route he tends to do his movies tend to be better when he plays a father interestingly i find uh wait or, a second or when he's taking care of a child or when he's interested in someone who has a child oh no that does not stand up to scrutiny no i refuse to allow that to stand while I check his IMDb page, because I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking about uh, Daddy. Was he in Daddy Daycare? No, I don't think so. That was, um, was like Steve Ed, Zahn, Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Uh, but he was in uh, the. There was like a sequel with him and his, and like um, uh, uh, David Spade is in it. They made a couple of movies. Chris Rock, Grown Ups. Grown Ups. Yeah, they play dads in that, don't they? Yeah, the first one was all right. The second one was utter garbage. All right. <laughs> I, I'm finished trying to debate. There's, there was a, there's win. a podcast where the guys on the podcast watched uh, Grown Ups Two uh, every week for a year, <laughs> and they would talk about it every week for a year. I love it. Probably Sounds has more, terrifying. probably has more listeners in Japan than we do. <laughs> right, what else? Uh, you got? Okay, so the other thing I want to talk about on what you watch, if that's okay, if we can continue. Oh yeah, rock, rocket. Um, was uh, so. My wife had never seen Twin Peaks before. Okay. And I was trying to explain to her 
uh, what sort of the the mystique of Twin Peaks because it just they just came back and did a, a third season, so like thirty years after the first two, right? Right. And uh, so I was trying to explain to her that uh, you know while I've been going on and on about this whole concept that that TV is way too much about the plot now, right? All the criticism is about plot, and it's flipped over to movies now. You criticize a movie, the only thing people care about is the plot. If it had a dumb plot point, we're done. We've talked about this a few times on on the podcast. So. I was explaining that David Lynch was sort of the the extreme uh, correction to that, where you correct way too far, and you know you're fishtailing in the car, and you go way too far in the other direction to right. try to correct, and now you're in just as much trouble as you were. And that's what David Lynch is becoming for me. I used to really like David Lynch, but now I find like I just don't understand anything he does anymore. So, um, so I was trying to explain Twin Peaks, and my wife was like, well, "I don't think I've ever seen it." And so I was like, "Oh, well, okay, interesting, man." And then we were looking for something to watch, and she thought, "Well, let, let's try that out." So we we just started watching Twin Peaks again. I watched it when it was first out, and it was, I think, it was my first experience with with what we call binge watching. Now, okay, I stayed with some people that had a bunch of the episodes on uh, on VHS back in the day, and I watched them all one after another. Um, but yeah, it's that, so so I was going to ask you, and I don't know whether you see you're not a you don't strike me as a big rewatcher, but do you ever go, oh, hey, you know, wife, would you like to <laughs> – sorry, I don't know if I should use your wife's name. That's why I said wife. <laughs> hey, wife. That's what I call her. Wife. Wife. Where's my, my Where's my turkey leg? My wife. <laughs> um, so do you ever say, oh, hey, I really enjoyed this movie. Let's watch it. And then you're watching it, You knowing that you've seen it. She hasn't. Does that ever happen? Or well, uh, I'll play along. You know, my wife does not yes, watch I know, movies. I know your wife. Um, it's, a, it's a minefield watching a movie with your wife. <laughs> it's impossible. It's nearly impossible. No, we don't rewatch things, and our tastes are so very different that there will it will seldom occur that there's a film I enjoyed that I will ask her to watch. Okay. Now, if there's a movie I hate and find mindless. I will sometimes say, you should watch this when I go away because <laughs> you'll like it. And it's not a knock on my wife. She just likes, uh, you know, she needs she needs stuff to explode in movies. And I need I need people to have – I need plots, Dave. I need plots and writing <laughs> and characters. So I always have this thing where, you know, I'll say like um, – so let's say I watch something like uh, Fringe. You familiar with Fringe? Yep, sure. Right? Really interesting TV show. I didn't watch it when it was on. I caught it later. Loved it. Started watching it. And I was like, oh, you need to watch this. And then, you know, it takes her a couple episodes to get into it. And then she's into it. But then the problem is she gets all worked up. She's like, this guy's not dead, right? And now you have to decide, do I give her the actual answer? Do I keep her in the dark? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Is it fair of me to spoil things? She's asking me to. But is it still fair of me to spoil things? And then often I'll see something that I didn't notice the first time around. And I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. You know, and now I'm giving her information she didn't have the first time. Or I'm pointing out the thing that I missed the first time. Right. Very semiotically, it's very interesting to me. You know, I feel though there's got to be a way that we can train people to not uh, ask questions that will be answered for them in moments. <laughs> or, or like through the normal course of, of events, right? Do you know what I mean? Well, and interestingly, so in the first episode of Twin Peaks, they find a half of a locket, like a heart-shaped locket where you can break it in half, and they find half of it. 
and uh, they're talking about it. And she turns to me and she's like, do we ever find out who has the other half of the locket? Literally, as she's saying it, the next shot, the other half of the locket. <laughs> yes. Yes, we, we do. As it turns out. <laughs> but but it's interesting because she says to me, well, so, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Twin Peaks at all. Uh, so uh, Kyle MacLachlan plays, plays a FBI agent, very quirky FBI agent. Yeah. And one of his quirks is that he's constantly recording into uh, a little uh, microphone or no microphone, a, a little recorder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Recorder. And so he's talking to Diane, who is we assume his secretary. Right. Diane, don't let me forget this. And this is what happened. And I've just found this bit of evidence. It's his way of doing exposition. Right. Right. Doesn't have to tell another character. He talks into his microphone into Diane. Yeah. And so my wife says, oh, I really like that concept. That's really great. Do we ever get to meet Diane? And I'm like, uh, well, I know the answer to this question, but do I want to share the answer to this question with her? Right. Right. And so I said, I'd rather not say, <laughs> I don't want to lead you in one direction or the other. Uh, so, and if you're a fan of the show, you know what the answer to the question is. And I could say, but I don't want to say in case anybody is planning on going back right. and rewatching. But this really illustrates my point well. It's like you don't have the right to ask that question because the, sh- the they're not going – like if they leave you hanging, it was not important. <laughs> so don't worry about it. But otherwise, it'll come to light and they'll be, wow, that was crazy. So it's sort of like, you know uh, – if you if if you're watching Star Wars with somebody and then it's like the moment you discover Luke lives with his aunt and uncle and you're like oh what wh- where's his dad <laughs> <laughs> oh his dad's Darth Vader he's actually he's the villain in this film like it's like shut the fuck up and watch the movie with me well that's a good point uh, my other thought while we were watching it was like okay well after we finish the second season I'm gonna make you wait 30 years to, <laughs> to watch the last season. <laughs> Be in our 70s. Just like the rest of us had to. And oh, I actually, to be fair, I haven't gone back and watched the new season yet because I was like, part of me was like, oh, I don't want to go back in case it's so terrible. Right. Right. I don't want to ruin what was there. But part of me is curious to see what they did with it. And part of me is like, you didn't need to make a third season. You really did. Right. Not to stay on the Star Wars train, but I always thought that was like the funniest thing is like, you, you know, if you, if you watch uh, episode one, two, three, then four, five, six with your kids something weird happens after the third movie where like all the, the, the special effects start to suck and the <laughs> acting gets really, really bad. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know it's weird. Star Wars is a crazy one too, because you know, it, it started in the middle. We don't get a lot of that as far as right. films. We didn't have the prequel very much. Yeah. But you know, it's, I think it's pretty easy to explain because they didn't think they were going to make, an entire franchise out of it. Like star Wars was pretty much made by someone who thought it was going to be one and done. This is my life's work. I'm a, I'm a and then it exploded and George Lucas became, you know, a, a sci-fi genius. But it's like, if you watch that movie, it's like, it was clearly when they made it, it was like, yeah, we're never making another movie. Everything from how neatly it wraps up to the whole, like not needing to really explain why he was in love with his sister. <laughs> That one sentence that altered the course of movie making forever. Um, can I keep the uh, merchandising rights to these characters? <laughs> exactly. Oh man, that's my George Lucas impression. By the way, I just have. Um, yeah, I love that. I want to kind of go. I, I want to take away from this podcast episode, Dave. The whole like questions people ask in movies, and how like there's got to be a tasteful way of of just saying, listen. Just 
keep that to your, keep that in mind. <laughs> and if by the end of this series or film it's not answered, we'll have a discussion about it. Well, I really like the fact that I came up with I'd rather not say. Yeah, that's pretty good. You know, because it doesn't imply that you're right or that you're wrong. It just says that I don't want to say anything. But to because me, it I, may influence how you watch the rest of the show. If it's if it's a nothing point, I'll probably be like, yeah, no, that guy's an idiot. I don't know. I don't remember that character, right? What like, is you, that guy yeah. important? I don't know. I don't remember that guy, so probably not. I don't know. But what if you pile on though and say, I'm sorry, who's Diane? Because that was her question, <laughs> right? Do we ever meet Diane? And if you go like, I sorry, who, who's Diane? <laughs> And then she'll say, well, he talks into the dictaphone and says, you know, Diane. And then you can go, I never noticed that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I'll have to watch for that. Huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she knows me too well. Fun. She'd be on to me. Huh. <laughs> that's the best. Huh. Huh. Yeah, it's kind of. Uh, I did get to point out to her that uh, the, there's a character on the show, Dr. Jacoby. He's like the weird, crazy psychiatrist guy uh, who is the uh, was one of the the Jets from West Side Story. Oh, really? Oh. I said, like, do you recognize this guy? And she's like, well, he sort of looks familiar, but I can't think of how I know him. And I said, well, you should remember this guy from his first cigarette till his last dying day. <laughs> wow, that's deep. So you, that that really runs the gamut now of, of cultural references on this particular episode of the National Talkie <laughs> League. I have to say, and this will be my parting thought for this, uh, this episode, Dave, is that West Side Story is by far the dumbest piece of art ever penned. <laughs> and wow. Can you imagine if you came out like that in Greece, right? Like I, I want to see someone today try and get that done for the first time. So we got one. Wow. One of It's kind of like uh, glorifies gang violence as just like a typical way of life for well-heeled young men and women. And the other one is um, normalizing date rape in a, in a high school setting. Could not happen. Oh, like, do, like, do we need to get into the fact that one of them is based on Shakespeare and one of them isn't? Or uh, is Greece based on Shakespeare? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not. See, here's my thing. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not terribly thrilled with the whole like based on Shakespeare thing either. I just sort of feel like go do Shakespeare. Do we need to be reworking Shakespeare? Is was it not good enough? I mean, are you missing that West Side Story is Romeo and Juliet? No, no, no. I get it. I just think okay, it's, okay. yeah, it's it's just sort of like in a, in a, in this modern context. Like we've got the Shakespeare thing. Where we're like, ah, it was crazy times. Who knows? But with with uh, West Side Story, it's basically like, oh yeah, your mom and dad, yeah, they had switch blades, they're killing each other. And when you're a jet, you're a jet for life. It's like, shut up. <laughs> well, it's interesting because my son has started uh, since I I had probably introduced him to Hamilton. Uh, the musical. And so now he's kind of getting into the concept of musicals. And so he's asking questions about different musicals and that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of interesting too, because now I have to, you know, stay on top of that. Right. Right. Uh, and it's hard because a lot of those are only shown in New York. So it's like, this is an expensive hobby to want to get into at this point. You know, I saw Les Mis when I was like 11 years old. And it made me – it was amazing. It made me want to do theater and it also made me want to understand what what the, the plight of the prostitute was like in the time of the French Revolution. But also is stealing bread really – I mean I think that Jean Valjean was given a pretty raw deal in that whole thing. And you know what? The audience agreed with me. <laughs> 
I think you're right, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> I got to you got to root for. Uh, oh man, let's see if I can remember his name. I don't remember the cast of, or the uh, the cast of characters of of Les Mis that well, but Jean Valjean was like the obviously the lead. Uh, and then there was Gavroche was the young boy, but what was the name? Ja- oh, it starts with a J. Do you know the name of the, I'm putting you on the spot uh, here. I want to say Javier, wasn't it? I think so. I was going to say Javier. That sounded up. like really Spanish. Russell Crowe in the most recent movie. Oh yeah. And, 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 and Hathaway as, um, as the girl that I, whose name I forget to. Cosette. Cosette. That's right. Yeah, I'm just looking up. Yeah, Gavroche. Uh, where are we? Yeah, uh, Javert. Is Javert, actually. yeah. J-A-V-E-R-T, Javert, yeah. It's like, no one's rooting for Javert in uh, Les Mis. Yeah, whip him. Don't know. Don't <laughs> don't let him get on the wrong side of the cart. He'll screw you. Yeah, yeah I know. I was never a big Les Mis guy. I saw a Phantom of the Opera in Los Angeles with uh, – this will blow your mind, all right? So think of all the people who could play the Phantom of the Opera. Okay. And the person I saw play the fan of the opera was Robert Guillaume, who played Benson oh, on the TV show Benson. Nice. Because I remember uh, Sebastian Bach from Skid Row playing fan of the opera in Toronto. <laughs> I didn't see it. I remember – I'm like 90% sure I remember this. Wow. Yeah. Who would you like to see play the fan of the opera? How about David Lee Roth? That would be cool. See, that's what I, I mean. You're kind of tickling my funny bone here. I would go for that. I would. I would actually get in. Like, I'm not going to go see. I think Phantom of the Opera is kind of silly. Um, I had the cassette tape and I listened to it and stuff like that right around the Les Mis time. But I was just sort of like, ah, I don't know about this one. This one seems kind of weird. Les Mis was a story and it had some redeeming traits to it. I don't want this one. <laughs> some lady would just leave. Leave the haunted opera hall. Like, just go. <laughs> you know. Anyway, just keeping you there. Um. I'm out, man. I, I am absolutely spent. It is uh, twelve thirty in the on Tuesday, the Tuesday that this comes out. Just so you know what we go through when we ask you for the five star review in the iTunes store or wherever you buy your podcast. When we ask you, we're asking you in the dead of night to please support us in some way, shape, or form, <laughs> and tell your friends about this awesome podcast that has to do with Calgary and politics and pop culture and it's like sitting around having a beer with your buddies yeah we should uh yeah well we'll as you mentioned off the top we got to find a way to do this live and i think it's also like we got to find a way to describe uh i i actually we don't have to find a way i just really like it when people randomly describe the podcast because yes. it's 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 never the same two weeks in a row and we enjoy doing it yes yeah, so if you're if you're game one thing we would love is if you went to to iTunes and left a review for us. It doesn't have to be long. You don't have to write a whole novel or anything. But I love it when people write like a two sentence like, how would you tell someone about what this podcast is? It's like, it shouldn't work, but it does. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. Share it with your friends if you like what we do. And uh, as always, go to uh, nationaltalkyleague.com for the show notes on this episode. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the National Talking League. Show notes from this episode can be found at nationaltalkingleague.com. Support for this podcast comes from you. Please share it on social media. Give a five-star review in your favorite podcast store. And connect with us on Facebook. On behalf of Roger Kincaid and Dave Ware, thank you.